Welcome to the Community Karma Podcast with Aaron Jones and Carrie Hill. Join in as they discuss building community, branding, and how any business can benefit from a holistic approach to growth. One and. Hello, and welcome to the Community Karma Podcast. I am Aaron Jones, and I'm here with Carrie Hill. Hey, Carrie. Hello, 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 hello. What is up? What is up? Um, <laughs> we said we weren't going to do that, and we did it anyway. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to move forward now. We are here with episode nine. Um, today, we're going to talk about promising and delivery, developing your brand's promise. Um, the brand promise is very important. Um, it's the value or experience your company's customers can expect to receive every time they interact with you. So, you know, today we want to talk about what we are doing, what we recommend, and have you think a little bit about what your brand promises and what you can do to enhance that or or if you're doing a great job, awesome. Well, and I think that some some brands, especially smaller businesses that, you know, one or two man shows or one or two lady shows or people shows, whatever you want to call it, um, I if they don't understand what we mean by a brand promise, here's a couple examples, okay? So FedEx's brand promise was when it absolutely, positively has to get there overnight. And that's been their brand promise since inception, I think, since they founded FedEx. I mean, that was what they built their brand on was overnight delivery, right? Or BMW is the ultimate driving machine. Those are the brand promises. And they inspire specific feelings or expectations within their customers. And, and customers expect every time they deal with FedEx for their package to get there overnight or when it's promised because now they do two-day and all this other stuff. But um, I, I think that, you know, trying to decide what you can promise to your customers and deliver every single time is um, an important piece. Um, so maybe you you promise um, 24 hour service, so you're available to them 24 seven, or maybe you promise 24 hour turnaround. Um, you know, what can they expect from you? What can they know about your brand? Um, Aaron, your Zappos example is a good example of that. Oh yeah, um, we talked a couple weeks ago about my husband had a customer service issue with Zappos and I offered to do what I immediately do whenever I have a brand issue. And that was throw a temper tantrum on Twitter. And he, he responded and really got my attention and said, no, it's Zappos. I know they'll make it right. Um, right. And he was right, but they have done such a good job setting a precedent of fantastic customer service. You know, I would say that they rival Nordstrom right now in the customer service perception. And because of that, he didn't want me to make a big stink online where, you know, if it had been any other company, we probably would have jumped mm-hmm. on that right away. But they're, you know, I don't even know what their tagline is, Carrie, but in my mind, it's, it's service related. And because of that, yeah. they probably avoid a lot of negative, um, I don't want to say press, negative chatter online just because people assume that they're going to make it great. And, you know, it's kind of like Disney World, the, the happiest place on earth. You mm-hmm. you just know that if something goes wrong, they're going to sprinkle that magic on it and take care of it for you. And I think that's something that every brand should strive for. 
I think so too. And, and, you know, it's, we do think that it's customer service. And I think if you take it a step further, um, so we talk about these big brands, FedEx or BMW, but when you deal with them, you deal with a human being at some point in time, whether it's a salesperson or the person that runs the FedEx store that takes your box or your delivery guy that drops the thing off. And so I think if you can humanize your brand and let your employees own their customers' experiences and get that feedback that, you know, Joe is great or they they put a human face and name alongside your brand. And maybe it's a, a few people, maybe it's a bunch of people. That doesn't really matter. But making, making or creating the opportunity for your brand to not just be a machine or them not to feel like a cog. So um, we talked about what customers can expect. Maybe you price match your competition or you beat them by X percent. Um, maybe you have the best follow up in the area. Um, you know, maybe you include maintenance and upgrades. Erin, you mentioned that Tesla does that, right? So you buy a car and you don't have to pay for maintenance or upgrades to their computer system or whatever. Right. And, you know, something that you said about humanizing your brand struck a chord with me because I have noticed this is very anecdotal, so please don't quote me here. But when people (laughs) are complaining about a service in a review online, they mention the company name. But when they're raving about something, they almost always mention the person's name who helped them out, whether they were in trouble or just were paying for a service. When they feel like they know your brand, um, Mm -hmm. they're usually having an expectation of a more positive experience. Now, this is also something that you want to keep in mind that your employee is the first line of representation for your brand, um, both online and off. Whoever is responding to this person is who's going to shape their view of your brand. So we harp on this a lot, but make sure you've got the right people on the front lines here. This is really, really important. Well, and you empower them to do something about it. You know, back in the day before I got into marketing, when my kids were little babies, I worked nights at Walmart and it was one of the worst jobs I've ever had. I'm not going to lie. But um, (laughs) what really frustrated me is um, I would work the customer service desk and people would want to return things. And we were always told, no, don't take that back if it's outside the return policy. But then a manager would show up and be like, oh, yeah, we'll take that back. So I look like the chump because I had no power to override that rule. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like Absolutely, I did tech support and it was the same thing. It was horrible mm-hmm. and people knew. They got mm-hmm. mad and they said, let me talk to a supervisor after you spent 20 minutes telling them you were unable, completely unable technologically or physically to do something. And mm-hmm. the supervisor would get on the phone and save the day and say, yeah, we can do that for you. Yeah. So, you know, that's so frustrating. Well, and as a consumer, don't make me jump through those hoops. Empower the person that I get on the phone the first time to fix my problem. Um, Yeah, you're training your customers to be mad and throw a fit to get what they need done. Yep, for sure. So I think that's part of developing, you know, what can your customers expect? What experience can they expect every time they deal with you? Um, And then use differences. Why or how are you different from your competition? Um, that's another promise that you can make. We've been here for a long time, so you know we're going to be here for a long time, right? Or maybe you, your product is a much better quality or a higher-end style, and you could do some theirs versus ours examples. Um, you know, there's a lot of, of different 
ways you can set yourself up apart from the competition um, without being nasty. Like I think that FedEx is when it absolutely positively has to get there overnight. The unspoken, like between the <laughs> lines piece of that is don't use the post office, don't use UPS because it will not absolutely positively get there overnight. We will get it there. They will not. That's like the unspoken piece, right? But if you understand what what your value proposition is versus what your competition doesn't offer, you can think about those things as you create your brand promise. What are you what can you promise and deliver on every single time a customer interacts with you? Definitely. And you know, a lot of small businesses say, well, I can't do that. I can't outdo the big guy. You can. You can mm -hmm. say when you want to deal with a human being every time, you mm -hmm. know, there's not a phone tree here. When you call my office, I'm going to pick up the phone and say hi to you. That for some people is enough to differentiate you from the competition. For you know, sure. customer a... service. There's a lot yep. of industries that customer service sucks and you can stand out just by taking a little extra time and responding to comments or emails or messages and, and being that person for them. For sure. I have a client that's a locksmith and it's just him and his van. And um, he gets a lot of calls from people who have tried other other numbers in the area and it's a lead gen service and they have to forward it to somebody else and that somebody else never calls them back. And, you know, they 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 have to go through hoops to get the actual locksmith to show up. Whereas if you call my client, well, he's like, yeah, I'm 20 minutes away. I'll be right there. 24 seven, like he will, he will leave his house whenever you need him to go unlock your car or your house or your office or whatever. And so his, his value proposition is it's just me and I will show up and I answer my phone. Um, yeah. And you, you so know. you're getting the phone answering, you're getting a real person, mm -hmm. you're getting someone who responds and completes the service they're selling. You know, Absolutely. it's kind of ridiculous that if you just do your job, you're set apart from a lot of your competition. Isn't that so frustrating? I was talking on a, a podcast, well, it's like a video we recorded earlier today about um, if you just do what you promise, you're better than most of your competition, which is sad. Absolutely. I think there's a huge <laughs> trend right now of over-promising and under-delivering. So if you can mm -hmm. flip that and give people more than you you promise up front, um, I think it's a great way to differentiate yourself. And a lot of times that's just, taking the time to be a decent person you know you, there's people's mm -hmm. expectations for especially the service industry are pretty low right now if you can provide a great service and do it with a smile it, it it'll do a lot for your brand and i think a big part of creating that is um fostering the next time or the next the next step um, not just like we've talked about before, um, they pay you and you go away. Um, what makes them think of you for next time? Um, did you follow up with them? Did you extend the conversation beyond when you got paid? Um, did you make sure that they got value? Um, for what they, you delivered versus what they paid. And I'm not saying were they cheaper or more affordable. Value is a completely different concept than, than cheap, right? Um, Definitely. And I think that's a really good thing to bring up because there are a lot of different businesses that I will pay a lot more for knowing that I can trust them, that they're going to mm -hmm. do it right the first time. Um, sometimes when they suggest 
better options. You know, I was talking to a colleague about there's a trend, a big trend among web designers that they do. You ask them to put something out there and they just do it and send it to you instead of saying, Hey, have you thought about doing it this way? I think it would, you know, it may cost more, it may cost less, but I think this would work a lot better for the end goal you're trying to achieve. I find value in a trusted professional letting me know, you know, I don't know a thing about a water heater. So if you tell me that this is the one I need, let me know what benefit I'm going to get from it so that I can trust that you're, you're using my best interest here. For sure. You know, I have a, we have a local mechanic and he's a little bit more expensive than um, some other places are, but uh, he takes really good care of us and he'll come get our cars at our house or deliver them back to the house if we can't get down there to pick them up. Or, um, you know, I've taken my vehicle in there and said, hey, Mario, this is making a weird noise. And he'll dig through it and call me and say, there's nothing wrong with your car, Carrie. It's just this thing. Or, or hey, it's this. We could replace it. But let's wait two more oil changes because it's fine kind of stuff. So, um, you know, when you get that, give that extra piece and you gain my trust and then you work to keep my trust, you're going to keep my business. Absolutely. You've probably made him a lot of money and he's probably saved you a lot of money you know for sure and not only just from me because whenever somebody posts in facebook the local facebook group i hey i need a mechanic who's good i'm in there with mario's name every single time and that's you know that's the next thing on our list is um maybe a refer or a loyalty program works for your business um, maybe that's a way to help grow your community or build your tribe or extend your communication with them beyond the payment. Um, you know, maybe giving me a little bit of a kickback because I say your name all the time is worth it to you. That's advertising dollars, right? Yeah. You want to blow somebody away, send them a handwritten thank you card with a gift card in it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be a huge gesture, but Showing people that you appreciate them sharing your information is it can be invaluable. You never know who they may connect you with or, you know, where that might take you. And it's it's a small gesture that means a lot to people. That personal touch is not very common, you know, in business relationships right now. And I think people really appreciate a connection. For sure. And I think, you know, we're all human and everybody has a bad day. And part of the benefit of humanizing your brand is, um, you know, people giving you the benefit of the doubt and the ability to make it right when you screw up. Right. So things go wrong. Um, We do not live in utopia where nothing is busted or nothing breaks after they fix it or whatever. But if you extend that, um, that feeling to your customer that, hey, if you have any problems with this, call me and I will come back out and we'll make it right or whatever the problem happens to be. If you are fixing it when there's a conflict, if you're making it right for them, you're still earning their business. You're still earning their trust because if you're a humanized brand, they know humans aren't perfect. And so instead of expecting a corporate um, entity to be perfect all the time, which is kind of what people expect, even though it's not realistic by putting that human face on it by Joe, who's the technician who 
did my hot water heater or my water heater, um, you know, I know if it's not draining right or my water pressure is messed up. Joe, can you come look at this again? My my water pressure is not right. Yep, I'll be there tomorrow. I'll take a look at it. You know, I, I feel like if, if you extend that conflict resolution to, um, yeah, I fixed it. It didn't go smooth, but we fixed it. I think you, you're still delivering. That's still part oh, yeah. of your brand promise. Um, yeah, you, know. you gave them a person to call. You fixed mm-hmm. the problem. You made it right. And and again, that humanizing factor is massive. For sure. For sure. And then, you know, the last piece of, you know, promise and deliver or brand promise is what feelings should your brand inspire? So um, when I say to you, Erin, when I say Apple, what do you think? Shiny. I think mm-hmm. that it works. Um, you know, I... A very positive feeling, you right. know, trust. space age, new technology, trust, clean, pretty. Mm-hmm. So when part of developing your brand promise is deciding what do you want your brand to inspire in others? And if you're a service-based business, trustworthy, um, affordability, value, those kinds of feelings, because those are subjective things. What I think is valuable might not be what Aaron thinks is valuable, but um, putting together your brand promise. So we're talking about what what you promise, what you deliver, what put, sets you apart from the competition, why would they come to me next time, and how do I make them feel? Um, you know, or how do, how do they feel about me? There's two different ways you could look at feelings, right? Yeah, and, um, and I think that you don't want, there's no one answer that works for every brand. So this is really mm-hmm. an exercise that you should sit down, you know, whether you want to do this on your own or have your team help you. These are really, really important questions to answer mm-hmm. before you put information out to your clients. So I've actually done this in a kind of a group setting before. And what we did is we had everybody write down the answers to their questions on Post-its separately. Like we didn't discuss it as a group first. And then we stuck everything up on the wall and we started rearranging and putting different words and feelings and thoughts and values and and um, expectations together to try and like brainstorm a brand promise. And it actually worked quite well to do that because I think if we if you talk about it first, people start changing their mind. Because everybody is um, open to influence, right? Oh, yeah. You kind of tend to fall in line, especially if there's a hierarchy within the group. Right. But if you say, before you come to the meeting today or before we talk about anything, I want you to write down um, what do you think our customers can expect from us every time? What do you think sets us apart from our competition? What do you think... um, we can do to make customers think of our brand next time or what um, feelings does our brand inspire um, or you know how do we feel how how should our clients feel about our brand so write all this down put it all on post-its and then we'll stick them all up on the wall and make it as anonymous as you can don't give certain people certain color post-its or anything like that and just get a bunch of words up on the wall and start mixing and matching and slicing and dicing And um, you will probably come up with a really great brand promise that is sourced from the people who do the work to deliver that on that promise, right? 
Absolutely. And I am a huge dork, but I love exercises like this because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it may bring some perspective that you hadn't thought of, which is, you know, incredibly valuable. And it also lets you know how your team views your brand. It's not everybody, like you said, perception can change from person to person. And that's just not customers. That's internal as well. So you can get a lot of really, really good information and some, I like the vibes that come from those kind of engagements. You know, I feel like it's not only really good to help you with your strategy, but it also is really good for team building. Right. And for morale. And I think that, um, you know, the customer service people that talk to your customers or the technicians that talk to your customers every day, they have a way different viewpoint into what your customers find valuable or what um, they didn't like about your competition than you do sitting in the office doing business things, working, they're working in the business and you're working on the business. And so if you guys can, if everybody in those different roles can come together and brainstorm, because, you know, Um, we did the last episode on intention and perception. So the C-suite is a lot about intention, right? This is what we intend for people to buy, use, feel about what we do. The the people who are not in the C-suite, who are actually, you know, talking to customers and selling to customers and delivering to customers, um, they're all about perception. This is what the perception of our brand is out there. And so if you can bring that intention and perception together and come up with a, you know, a a brand promise that everybody buys into, I think you're going to be in way better shape than just handing it down like an edict from on high, right? For sure. And that that synergy is, you know, I hate to sound cheesy, but that's where the magic is going to happen. You know, if you can combine those two things, it, it's just, it's going to make a better brand. Your customers are going to be happier. Your employees will be happier because they're not trying to shove something down the customer's throat that the customer isn't seeing or, or on board with. You know, I just, I don't see any bad here. This is something that every brand should do and they should probably revisit it, you yep. know, every year, every 18 months, depending on how quickly your brand is evolving, you may want to do it more or less often, but this is something that everyone should be doing. I was just, you bring up a really good point. I don't think this is a set it and forget it practice, right? This is not an exercise that you just do at the beginning and you're done. Because you may find 18 months down the road when you do it again, maybe you need to to change your brand promise. Or you may find, yep, we're right on track. We're exactly where we were 18 months ago. Everybody's still bought in. This is, they still feel the same way about where we're going and the direction we're, you know, delivering our product and our clients still feel the same way. So I think that either it's going to help you um, help you shift direction if that's what needs to happen, or it's going to help keep you on the right path. Down yeah. There. Either whether you're staying the course and, and brands evolve, you know, they, mm-hmm. they kind of become these living, breathing entities. And so there are a lot of brands that don't do what they started out doing. You know, Coors Brewing Company used to be a porcelain manufacturer. So if they were still working off of the same, you know, tagline or, or brand promise that they started with, they'd be way off book right now. Um, For sure. So this is a good thing to make sure that your, your weathering changes, whether it's in your industry or culturally or economically, this is going to help you stay the course or, or change course if you need to. 
for sure. I think these are all great tips. Um, if you have done an exercise like this with your company, I would love to hear how you felt about it. And yeah, it's a little cheesy and Aaron and I get excited about this stuff, um, which is strange <laughs> because I'm such an introvert, like putting, putting my thoughts out there kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. But on the other hand, I think it's so valuable for businesses to understand um, the sentiment and the the get the barometer right of where they're at and where their their employees feel they're at and where their customers think they're at um and this yeah, is it's so powerful for sure i think so as well um so i think that pretty much that runs through our our list right erin i think we we made it <laughs> i think so and we actually like kind of stayed on topic we're, right we're, we're not up. done yet i don't know the end of last <laughs> week's episode was kind of a hot mess so let's see if we can wrap it up without going too far off the reservation here. and scene <laughs> all right everybody thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the community karma podcast as always we really appreciate your feedback on facebook or twitter um, if you have time leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting app would make us very, very happy. Very happy. Super so happy. happy. So happy. We love to be happy. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Y'all have a great week. We'll talk to you next week on the Community Karma Podcast. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to sign up for reminders via the website communitykarmapodcast.com. See you next time.